Man. All right. So here Hello. we are. Yeah, here we are. And uh, today we have a guest. Again, a same guest. <laughs> yeah. Yes. She liked it so much she came back. How can I not? Yeah. How can I not? Yeah, well, exactly. How could you not? Yeah, how could you? Right? God. Jesus. <laughs> okay, I'm hanging up now. And, That's and it. the Holy Spirit, too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, yeah. All right. So introduce yourself again. Again, I, again. I am Secret Ghostbuster Cousin. Hello, everyone. I couldn't <laughs> help but come back. Had so much fun the last yes. time. Yeah, we have to have the occasional Secret Ghostbuster Cousin episode. Well, because where else yeah, you it's keep kind of important. Fresh? Well, where else are you going to get the total gross and nasty, scary slash supernatural stuff, but other than me? Precisely. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Which I'm totally giving no, it's nice. a, a prequel disclaimer to what I'm going to say later. <laughs> <laughs> I'm excited to hear about it. Me too. Yeah. Um, yeah. So but we should cover what we're afraid of. Yeah. What are our weekly uh, fears? Um, secret Ghostbuster cousin, do you have one? <laughs> <laughs> well, I do, but I don't want to go. Like, it's actually kind of funny. Um, I. I that's well, it, it isn't, it isn't. It's depending on how you look at it. It's, it's, I used to have a lot of fears, if that made sense, but I just don't anymore. And it's because I developed a way to not have fears, if that makes any sense. Um, yeah. So uh, when I went, it was 13 years ago, my dad passed away quite suddenly and uh, it was quite shocking. And then I, I ended up going home and on the way home, um, flying in, my mom asked me to do my dad's eulogy. And she was telling me how they rented a hockey arena. And I'm like, what? Why do you need a hockey arena? And she's like, oh, we're anticipating about 500 people. And I'm like, damn. Like talking in front of 500 people with my emotions. Oh, my God. Like that to me is the worst. Yikes. So um, I was yeah. starting to get a little freaked out. And when I got into town, um, that's when the visitation was like uh, for family. This is the first time I was going to see my dad. And it obviously was extremely hard. But actually, I had an epiphany at that time. And I literally looked at my dad and I said, you know, dad, I actually have to take a moment to thank you for the gift you're giving me right now, because um, this is probably going to be the worst moment or one of the worst moments in my life. And if I can get through this next few minutes, I can do anything. I can jump off a cliff. I can, I can speak in front of 500 people because I'm going to bring myself back to this moment and say, it's not as bad as this right now. And so mm -hmm. it ended up being yeah. like 650 people at that funeral. And um, yes, I talked mm -hmm. about my emotions and I was fine. And ever since then, if I'm not starting to freak out or panic a little bit, um, I actually go back to that moment. I'm like, yeah, you know what? Jumping off the, you know, skydiving, not that bad. Yeah. I, yeah. Not as bad as no, that moment. No, it's not. And so actually it's, act I know it sounds really silly, but it's actually really takes a huge weight off if you're not really, if you put it in perspective. But with that said, I do have one fear that I cannot chase out of my head. And this is where it's going to go a little on the darker side. I'm afraid of losing my independence. Deep down, I'm afraid of losing my independence. Because if you think about it, I am a very independent person. Andrew, you know me well. And mm -hmm. um, to, to lose that um, and to be dependent on others for your basic functions, that actually scares yeah. the living crap out of me. Because I don't want to be a burden to people. And, um, but I'm not, so there you go. That's my deep, not. That, I'm not, but, uh, but exactly. that, that no. is actually my, one of my deepest, darkest fears is losing my independence and being dependent on somebody. I worked in hospitals for years and you see what it does to a person. And yeah. that's the last thing I want. 
So yeah, and that's completely that would be terrifying. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's one of my fears too. And yeah. also seeing um so I guess that'll be my fear for the week is seeing seeing my loved ones lose their independence. Mm-hmm. Like um as uh as mom ages and such, right? Mm-hmm. Like yeah. if anything happens, if she like develops like Alzheimer's or something, mm-hmm. that'd be a terrible, like yeah. <laughs> terrible thing. Like I worked in a lockdown unit for people who um who had behaviors that we had to chemically um, try to correct because they couldn't go to long-term care. And actually, believe it or not, it was one of the funnest units I've ever worked on because you never knew what to expect from one moment to the next. It was fantastic. But to watch what Mm -hmm. these people, to hear from their spouses where they were to where they are, it's, it's, that's where my fear developed. I'm like, I don't want that for my family. Right. Yeah. So that's where mine came from. I just want to move into a home when I'm old. Like you're at home or like, I have a better plan. There's a ship, a cruise ship, and it's called the world. That's what it's named. Yeah. And the world is for, you can actually, it's like a long-term care facility, but it's not. It's it's where you live your life. It's where you want to. On a cruise ship. You can go in there. They offer healthcare if you need it. They have like cruise ship food and you travel the world for the rest of your days. And I've seen that actually. That sounds expensive. But it's so worth it. But it's worth it. And I think I deserve (laughs) that. I want to like, if I age, I want to age everywhere. You know, spread my love around the world. (laughs) Yeah, that makes sense. Ren, what are you afraid of? That what that was my fear of loved ones losing their independence. Oh, right. So I'm just gonna have to ship them off to the world, I guess, <laughs> if I'm like a millionaire by then. I'm counting on it because I'm gonna rob some banks. Oh, yeah, that's a good idea. Mm-hmm. I was thinking yeah. just win the lotto, um, but yours is probably easier. Yeah, and faster. Yeah. yeah, and I'm very charismatic. People just like give me money. It's fine. Yeah. <laughs> but, <laughs> Yeah, no. So if you're if you're like a bank teller, this is stop listening now. Yeah. <laughs> Insert the this next is not disc. Ren. Yeah. <laughs> Goodbye. In order to hear the rest of this content, <laughs> uh, you will have to factory reset your computer now. <laughs> all right. Okay. Good. <laughs> now that they're all gone, <laughs> Andrea, what's your fear? Um, I. This is similar to last week's, but. I'm starting that new position in like a week, but then also starting my master's degree at the same time. Yeah. You could probably do it. So I'm scared. <laughs> but I got a new laptop. Yay. Yay. <laughs> well, you know, you so, know my yeah. secret cousin opinion is you're going to rock this. I know you can do it. Thank you. Thank you, secret cousin. You're awesome. You are. You're <laughs> going to just totally blow their minds on how awesome you are. That is the plan. Yes. You will. Yeah. Yeah, you will. I'm surprised you didn't just like straight up like, I, I mean, I'm surprised that they're being this like cagey about it because like you did one of the hardest degrees in the entire world <laughs> and <laughs> managed it. Yeah. Yeah. Who's being cagey? Oh, just uh, uh, the school. The school. Just like oh. I'm just surprised that there's so much of a barrier to getting in. Oh, yeah. But yeah. I'm in. So yeah, now I just have it. to power through it and be really busy all the time for years Mm -hmm. (laughs) for years and here we go now it begins (laughs) yeah (laughs) so who wanted to go who wants to go first i just did a short one um because there were three of us so ren also did kind of a short one yeah and mine i mean it's 
fairly short. That way yeah. it won't be three hours long, you know? Okay. Yeah, you're welcome, listeners. You're welcome, listeners. Don't say we never did you no favors. <laughs> so are we going to do rock, uh, rock, paper, scissors? Or... <laughs> I mean, I can't see. I mean, what that you chose. absolutely works long distance. Yeah. I mean, Andrea and I could totally cheat. Yeah, exactly. And you could too. <laughs> <laughs> we could just like, oh, what you did had you scissors. Get? Oh, well, um, I got. Well, apparently, I got rock, as it, yeah. it would appear. Yeah, but um, yeah, no. All right. Well, maybe Brenda, you should go first. I think so too. Oh, yeah. well, unless you don't want to. I'll go first. Yeah, or we can alternate. I can go first okay. and get rip off that band aid. Uh, but I'm kind of I'm- eager to hear about. This story. Well, I'm going to put yeah. out my disclaimer because there's a whole bunch of death in there. Yeah, that's per- That's exactly what we wanted. Well, you know, exactly, exactly. <laughs> that's what Andrea wanted. Well, you know, <laughs> so, like, you, you know, when I show up, I always got to make both of you happy. Have a little bit of the supernatural and mix it in with the true crime to make you both happy. But yes, um, <laughs> yeah. it was funny because how I came up with this idea is actually it's Andrea's fault <laughs> because when I was talking about to her what I was going to talk about last time, she said, "Oh, aren't they cannibals?" And I'm like, "Oh yeah, most cannibalism is Andrea's fault." I'm like, it is. I'm like, there's. I take full responsibility. There's seriously secret like like there's actual cannibals in Canada. I thought we were too polite. Oh, excuse me, can you play out past the brains? Like, like there's cannibals. <laughs> okay. And then I started digging and I'm like, I had no idea actually that this actually was happening. Now, uh, what I was going to talk about is Wendigos. And I'm sure a lot of people have heard about the Wendigo. Um, in indigenous folklore, it is a supernatural creature or evil spirit native to the forests of Canada or the United States. It may appear as a monster with characteristics of a human or a spirit that's possessed a human and turning them into a monster. Now, historically, um, the the Wendigo is associated with cannibalism and the cultural taboo against cannibalism itself. The name lends itself to a medical diagnosis, which Andrea actually mentioned several episodes ago called Wendigo psychosis, which is actually a rare but culturally bound syndrome with symptoms of intense craving for human flesh and the fear of becoming a cannibal. But interestingly enough, I found out in some indigenous communities, environmental destruction and greed are also actually seen as a manifestation of this psychosis. So you can just be greedy and become a Wendigo. Yeah. Yeah, Andrea mentioned that in that episode. Yeah, but like I'm, I'm, I want to hear a new take. Yeah, yeah. Well, this is going to be like because I think it. What was I covering? I was covering cryptids or something. Yeah, yeah. And so this is like more of a deep dive into the Wendigo. Yeah, <laughs> let's hear it. <laughs> so the descriptions of a Wendigo is actually they vary quite a bit if you if you look at the cultural across Canada and U.S. But what is common to all is a Wendigo is a malevolent and cannibalistic being that's associated with winter being in a more northern location, cold, famine, and starvation. They're often described in lore as gaunt to the point of the bones pushing out of the skin. Its complexion is ashen with its eyes pushed back into its sockets. Its lips are usually tattered and bloody, and the body itself smells like decomposition. But in other lore, mm-hmm. Wendigo is described as actually growing in proportion to the meal it consumed, so it never can get full. Therefore, Wendigos are often portrayed as gluttonous, but extremely thin due to starvation, and they're constantly looking for the newest victim because they are hungry. So, wow. now, do you guys know how you become a Wendigo? Have you heard? Um, Bitten? No. Um, (laughs) By being too greedy? I don't know. Well, that's possible. (laughs) 
So the best way to become a Wendigo is actually through cannibalism, even if it's necessary for survival. And it's said that a spirit can, oh, right. uh, the spirit will possess the human and then the human is transformed. The fear of turning into a Wendigos were so strong in, in most indigenous cultures, it was preferable to kill yourself than to turn into a Wendigo. But that was mm. not the case in a, uh, a, for a gentleman who was Cree. His name is Swift Runner, and he was the first person ever hanged in Western Canada on December 20th, 1879 in Fort Saskatchewan, Alberta. So right. Swift Runner is well, was well known around Fort Saskatchewan settlement as a very smart and trustworthy individual, which actually gave him the position as a guide for the Northwest Mounted Police. These were the precursors to the current RCMP. So when he was working within the community, Swift Runner actually developed a fondness for whiskey that was snuck into the area disguised as quote unquote medicine. And therefore his rep That's my medicine. I know. Mine is in form of wine, usually. <laughs> Especially when it's hot outside, like it has been. But mine's yeah. just a shot of heroin straight to <laughs> that medicine too. That will do mm -hmm. it. So, yeah. so Swift Runner's reputation then turned from good to and I'm quoting, the ugly customer went on a spree and the terror of the region. Dun, dun, dun. That's not good. No, the terror of the region. So Swift Runners, cool. he spent to return to his tribe because he was kicked out of the community and he caused so much turmoil that his actual tribe asked him to leave. And he then retreated to the wilderness with his wife, mother, brother, and his six kids. So after... That's too many kids. That's a lot of children. That's a lot of people to retreat with. But I feel like I say this a lot on the podcast, but that's too many children. Well, you say that when there's like one child. <laughs> well, good thing that's soon about to change. So, okay. oh no, oh, I oh, gave no. you guys a disclaimer. <laughs> oh, okay. He also thought that was too many children. He, he got no. it. He did. After a particularly cold and bitter winter, Swift Runner wandered alone to a Catholic mission in St. Albert, Alberta in the spring of 1879, claiming to be the only family member that did not starve to death. The priests actually became very suspicious because when they looked at him, Swift Runner didn't actually look like he lost any weight and looked pretty healthy. So they also noted that when he was going to sleep, he started um, going into screaming fits and nightmares when he slept. When asked, Swift Runner would just say he was being tormented by a Wendigo and would not speak anymore on the subject. So the priest then went to the local police who spoke to Swift Runner. Now the story started to change. Swift Runner then told them that his wife committed suicide and the rest of his family died of starvation. So the officers became quite suspicious because, well, his physical condition was in such a good state. So they asked him to come up and travel to the trap line where they were staying previously, which was located around Fort Kent, Alberta. After a few days of searching, the police found the remembrance of a campfire with piles of human bones and skulls scattered nearby. Some of these bones, um, the bigger bones, were emptied of marrow, and a small moccasin was stuffed inside the skull of Swift Runner's mother with a beading needle still sticking out of the unfinished work. Oh. I told you. Oh, it that's so sad. But it ah. was getting worse. So, yeah. okay. understandably, Swift Runner then was tried for murder and cannibalism and was sentenced to be the first legal hanging in what is the province of Alberta. After he confessed, he shot some of his family, he bludgeoned the rest, and then he, he actually fed one of his kids human flesh before he killed that child and ate the child. It was all, oh. yeah. 
It was also rumored that that Swift Runner developed the taste of human flesh when he was forced to eat the remains of a starving hunting partner to save himself from starvation several years before. So this brings me to why I was actually so surprised to hear all this. The area where Swift Runner lived and worked is about a half an hour drive from my current house. The area, oh. the area where Swift Runner cannibalized his family is about a 10 minute drive from my childhood home. And the Catholic oh, no. mission is about less than a kilometer from my current house. Yet I've never heard of any of this before researching for the podcast. <laughs> yeah, the realtor is probably like not yeah. eager to share that um, with your parents. We don't have to tell them about cannibalism in the don't, area. Don't yeah, dig. We, it was we'll a long time ago. Yeah. I, mean, I know there's a little vegetable garden in the backyard. Just don't dig too deep. Just don't. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Don't they're like sweeping vistas, a grand piano, a little bit of cannibalism, uh, nice hardwood floors. Like, yeah. And yeah. a little bit of bone marrow. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. but that's really good for your garden. But here's so but it gets more interesting. So now that I growing up in the area where Swift Runner's family died in, I never heard of any urban myths about windigos roaming the local woods. All I heard about actually when I started research or researching for the case is I actually found a lot of whisperings about it in my local area. Some claim it's a story. Other claim that a friend of a friend of a friend has seen it after a night of drinking. But they all describe it as a tall, thin creature with eyes glowing. And it's a very shadowy creature that howls like a coyote. And some claim this creature is to blame for disappearances and animal deaths in the area I grew up since the 1920s. Another said a local rancher once shot the creature, which annoyed it, and it walked back to the forest. Now, I, which made me think about my parents, because they used to tell me, come in and play, or just stop playing outside after dark, because, like, you could be eaten by bears. Apparently, they were vastly wrong. It could have, I just could have turned into a window. So, thanks, Mom and Dad, for preventing me from turning into a window. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's what parents are yeah. for. That's, yeah. Now, interestingly, doing the research, another story from directly from that area popped up, the same Wendigo. The story tells about a doctor named Thomas Burton who moved into the area after World War I. So in 1921, a smallpox epidemic hit the area and decreased the town population quite drastically. Thomas then started treating the townsfolk, but soon his wife became very ill and passed away. Struck with grief, Thomas locked himself in the house and did what every mourning man does when his wife dies. He ate the body of his wife. Of course, because that's what they do. Mm -hmm. So that's normal. Because yeah, you know, relationship goals. <laughs> Hashtag goals. Yeah. Uh, so this allowed um, Thomas to become possessed by that same Wendigo, and apparently Thomas started murdering and eating the surviving people of the town. So at the time, about 150 people supposedly lived in Fort Kent, but at the end, only 11 people remained before Thomas escaped to the woods, never being seen again. So as a person born and raised in this area, I was shocked to find out that the town population actually was over 11 people at one time. Theoretically. No, once upon a time. But, That's and then, you know, cannibalism occurred. I was under the belief the only interesting about this town is this strip club that's actually in the local hotel and not cannibalism. But I tried to verify this story. Like, I actually went through censuses and before and after the times. There was, I was able to confirm there was a smallpox epidemic. There was no record of a Tom, or, uh, Thomas Burton who lived in the area or the fact that he could eat 139 people plus his wife without getting caught. You know, like, if you could eat 10, I'm pretty sure that could have slipped by, but 139, I think that would be noticed. Just saying. 
Yeah, I mean, I'm surprised <laughs> he wasn't like completely falling over from prions at that point. But like, um, I'm still stuck on the strip club because now I'm picturing like cannibal strippers, <laughs> zombie cannibals or cannibalistic strippers. Yeah, like, yeah, like that movie, except the sequel. They to actually it. seriously <laughs> even closed the school because the population dropped so low in that town, but they kept that strip club. Wow. Yes. Wow. Yeah, because it's yeah, because that's where the cannibals were exactly. from. Exactly. Now, I actually also read on multiple online right. sources that allege that they confirmed this story through the Fort Kent archives, and I can confirm there is no Fort Kent archives, and the story is actually just a story. It's it's oh yeah, but oh. what that's depressing. But what isn't a story is actually there was a lot of Windigo uh, incidents reported in Western Canada um, through the newspapers in 1890s. For example. Two people from Whitefish Lake were brought to a local mission and to be treated after one of them had a dream of her brother who passed away. And in the dream, the brother offered the woman a bowl of human flesh to eat. Afterwards, these ladies, there were two of them, fell sick and they were thought to be Windigos. Also, a man was arrested, put on trial for murdering another man who he thought was overtaking the Windigo spirit. Because it was believed by the indigenous individuals that killing a Windigo was the only way to stop it. And it's done by either beheading the Wendigo or burning their heart over a funeral prior or just burning the body in totality and falling large trees over the grave to stop them from returning. Now, the most famous case of a Wendigo killer is a Cree man named Jack Fiddler who was arrested in 1906 for the murder of a Wendigo. So Jack hmm. was born in the forest near the Severn River in northern Ontario in probably around 1830, 1840. And he grew up actually in a very challenging time for the indigenous people in that area. Overtrapping from fur trade left the forest depleted. And with the declining numbers and low demand, more opportunities appeared in Western Canada. So the Hudson Bay Company, who was there, abandoned their post to make and making trade more difficult for the indigenous population. So by, Shocking. yeah, but by the 1816, uh, or 60s, sorry, the, the situation improved enough for Hudson Bay to come back and open the post. And Jack then emerged as a leader in his community because he was a became a shaman like his dad. And it was said mm -hmm. that Jack had the ability to conjure up animals and protect his people from spells. Most importantly to the people in the region, he could successfully fight and defeat Wendigos. So Jack, wow. Jack supposedly defeated 14 Wendigos and he believed that some of them were sent by en enemy shamans and others were members of his own band who was overtaken by the Wendigo spirit. In several occasions, Jack was asked by individuals to kill people in his band, um, a very sick family member, before they turned into a Wendigo. Now, in some cases, oh. the individuals possessed by the Wendigo asked to be euthanized according to their traditional rights. It's alleged that his own, or Jack's own brother Peter was killed after turning into a Wendigo when he ate human flesh after food ran out in a trading or expedition. But that kind of just sounds like murder. A little bit, but yeah, I'm thinking a little maybe. bit. But if you think about it, if you break it down, this was their culture, right? Mm -hmm. And okay. in and yeah. in this scenario, and around um, early 1907, two members of the Northwest Mounted Police were in the area and heard a Jack Fiddler fighting against the Windigos. Now they were seeking to introduce Canadian law to the area because, again. In this population, many of them actually didn't even see the quote-unquote white man before. They'd never seen him. Mm -hmm. They had no introduction to the culture. 
But the the mm-hmm. these um, two the lucky ones, right? These two members of the police were trying to put in the law into the area and arra- arrested Jack and his brother for murdering Jack's brother's sister-in-law the previous year. Now, this actually ma- uh, made national news, and of course, you know, as these sort of things happen, along with the speculation of devil worship. Now, across the country, people demanded him being convicted, while the local police involved saw the trial as an opportunity for fame and advancement. On September 30th of the same year, Jack escaped captivity during a walk outside, and he was found later the same day after he committed suicide. But Jack's brother went to trial. An eyewitness testified that the sister-in-law was killed while in deep pain of an incurable disease, according to the customs of their people, and they were not aware of Canadian law. When pressed on the Wendigo issue, the witness admitted it was their belief that his people or with his people that the brothers were the ones that were asked to euthanize a very ill person to prevent Wendigos. Jack's brother then was convicted and sentenced to death, but appealed and secured his release. But sadly, that happened three days after he died in 1909. So you can look at this story at an interesting way. This is their belief system, but they were prosecuted against another system that wasn't their belief system. Yeah. yeah. It was a way to, col- it good. was a very, very strong push to colonialize the area. Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah. So that is our look at Wendigos. What is your guys' opinion? Are you guys feeling hungry or? want <laughs> <laughs> steak now. Yeah. I mean, I'm thinking like pork. Long pig. Long pig. <laughs> Long pig. It reminds me of that like scene in Hannibal where like yeah, where Will Graham is like trying to be all subtle about what he's feeding Hannibal because yeah. Hannibal thinks they have an understanding at this point. Yeah, you've described this in this yeah, podcast. It's before. really funny because he says it so dramatically. He's I know. Like, Long pig. It was kind like, of corny. everyone knows what that is. Will. What? Yeah, it was kind of corny. It's it was funny. It was I one like of the it. more embarrassing parts of that show because i like that show and it wasn't usually corny Um, but that part was like i was like how does he not know he's lying i mean yeah it's really straightforward like you might as well just say it's a dead human it's just the two of you just be like we're eating a person okay like you know this my friend yeah (laughs) what do you think it is that'd be all slick (laughs) you know i'm a murderer what do you think it is (laughs) yeah i know you like to eat people what do you think i'm serving you right now I would, if he Fairly wanted to be more people. subtle, he could have been like a rare form of pork or something, right? Like long yeah. pig, just that, like obvious. It's a very <laughs> rare type of venison. Yeah, free range, free range, rare. It's free range. Late ape, <laughs> aged ape. Yeah, yeah. Ew. Prime aged ape. Yeah, I think you should go next. I should go next. Yes, because I want to hear about daisy leaves. This was a request. Oh. And uh, I watched some of the videos that this story pertains to, and they were freaking creepy. They're only like a minute to two minutes long or something. But, yeah, at most. Um, yeah. yeah, they – There's about yeah. 12. Um, I only watched two. And I was like, oh, these are creepy. Maybe I shouldn't be watching these on my work computer. <laughs> just in case someone thinks you're like – yeah. Just in case they're like, is she watching – Is she watching like – Snuff. Yes. Yeah, I could only imagine <laughs> when they decide to audit your computer, Andrea, they'll be like, I know. true crime, true crime, death, death, snuff film, snuff film. They're going to. They're going to be like, <laughs> should we have hired that girl? I'm nervous. <laughs> All the like Another child snuff? murder cases. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> I get arrested. <laughs> Again. 
Again. Yeah. I mean, it's like it happens at least three times a week. I'm I'm fine with it. It's at this all the point. bodies I keep hiding everywhere. They keep finding them. Well, stop putting oh, them in the elevator and you'd be fine. I know. I know that's an obvious spot. And then I announced it on the podcast. Whenever and that was a mistake. And that's my killer dog. <laughs> Sorry about that. Yeah, Sounds vicious. I know. He's attacking. He heard the doorbell ring. I apologize. Oh, okay. I was like, why is – I've never heard him freak out like that. So good job with that, though. Yeah, that was Thank a great you. story. Yeah. It's nice to have a little bit of that historical bent, too, because I really like to hear about that, I just, like, especially yeah. in Canada. I just right? couldn't believe, well, like, again, you don't think of cannibalism in Canada. But more importantly, it did happen right beside my house. Yeah. And yeah. Yeah, that's scary. Exactly. But it was interesting because uh, I brought it up to my mom because trying to confirm some facts. She grew up in that area, and she's like, oh, yeah, the Mad Trapper? I'm like, you knew? Oh. You um, knew about that? <laughs> she was surprised I didn't. I wonder if our mom knows. Probably. I mean, I feel like I've heard the name. Yeah. Apparently there's books written about it. Okay. So go ahead, Ugh, Renita. I have to do some yoga first. All right. So <laughs> so Daisy leaves. Yes. So this was a request. And um, the requester felt kind of bad um, because there was something attached to the le- the leaves videos that was really disturbing for me. And I like sad tweeted about it. But it wasn't the videos themselves, although those were super eerie. So... The Daisy Leaves videos are something else. And I watched all of them or like all the ones I could access in Canada, which wasn't actually all of them. Oh, okay. Yeah, there are a couple that like, they're like not available in your area. And I'm like, well, like, I didn't even know that. Well, fuck you then, YouTube. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) So I feel like grossed out and seriously put off by them, but I've got my own suspicions. So first, like I'll tell all of you what the fuck I'm talking about. And then I'll talk about people's like interpretations and theories regarding this nasty little set of YouTube videos. So the Daisy Leaves videos are a series of creepy videos uploaded by a YouTube uh, creator going by the name Robert Helpman. It was made in 2015, like I think it was like July something, and exactly 12 videos were uploaded to it on the same day. Hmm. The first one was called, yeah, weird, eh? The first one was called Daisy Arrives, and the last one was Daisy Leaves. All of the 12 12 videos on his channel are blurry and slightly distorted, like filmed with what looks like bad webcam footage of a dead body who the channel's creator has named, or who who is already named, depending on what you believe, Daisy. The videos have music playing backwards in them, softly in the background and sometimes a man in a mask will appear in the videos too and the man appears to be like helping daisy and doing things like feeding her and tucking her into sleep and sometimes just like staring at her his like his reflections in uh in the mirror in one video and you can't quite make him out until he moves slightly at the very end of the video Mm. yeah it's really creepy i don't think i watched that one yeah, I watched all of them, right? Like all the the ones I, I watched could. the kitchen one and one other one, and I don't remember. Yeah, I'm dedicated. Well, yeah, <laughs> well, I would have watched more, but like I said, snuff on a work computer. I just well, it's totally. I just though. googled yeah. them and I noticed something else that's very strange. Do you guys? Did you guys notice that all the videos are 59 um, seconds long? Most of them, the ones that were not available in Canada. Mm-hmm. Um, were about two minutes. Mm-hmm. But it's very strange oh. that they're mostly 59 yeah. seconds. I, yeah. He probably did that on purpose. Yeah, yeah he totally did. Because they were 
clearly fabricated, but like, I just don't want anybody who does audit my computer after I leave to be like, <laughs> to, to, yeah, because you can't into. tell. Like, some people do think it's real. Like, yeah. um, yeah. So the man, um, like, see, he sometimes becomes deranged and like cuts Daisy's body through the taped up bags, uh, with what looks like a wrapped knife to me, like a, a knife with paper around it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So he's basically like stabbing a corpse. And in one video, he bangs his head repeatedly on the bathtub. Wow. Yeah. In oh, the wow. video, uh, Daisy unwinds, which I don't think we had access to. Mm-hmm. In this particular video, he's feeding Daisy some sort of food from a bowl while she, in her makeshift body bag of like tape and garbage bags, is in the bathtub. And after a couple minutes of watching him try to feed the body, he, uh, he ends up like banging his head fast and repeatedly on the side of the tub. And then he leaves the room. What a freaky weird. That sounds horrible. Yeah, he gets like frustrated. But the video is so blurry, you can't really tell if she is eating or not. Um, like, or if like there's a face or part of a face exposed yeah. under the bags. Yeah. So. In the 12th video, Daisy Leaves, it's implied that Daisy opened the front door somehow. Mm-hmm. Everything is clipped, so details and movements are often cut out that way, and that she left. And at the end of that video, the man in the mask shows up again, staring at the door with a knife in his hand. And according to some interpretations, he appears to be like hurt, disappointed, and angry that she left. And that video, Daisy Leaves, was the very last video that he ever uploaded to this channel. Wow. <laughs> yeah weird huh. weird shit so due to viewers not being able to see what's inside the bag for at least like the first few episodes um people began to speculate that there was like a real body inside the bag right in mm. the videos daisy unwinds and daisy is fed some people claim to see that there is something in the bag at least but like due to the poor quality of the video it's pretty much impossible to tell if it's a mannequin or someone who is actually like eating or not like a live tied up person yeah it's really hard or like an actual body or something right yeah um there are also very brief clips spliced in throughout the videos from a nursery rhyme book called gammer Gurton's garland lovely <laughs> yeah it's from way back in the day and though the splices and <laughs> in individual videos like i managed to see them so i paused the video super quick when i tried to put them together mm-hmm. um but they're all like eerie, displaced, nonsensical words. Like you have to put them all together throughout the videos. Uh, when the thing is pasted together, and credit for this goes to YouTuber Scare Theater and a bunch of other people who like went to the effort of pausing and slowing down the video and going back and doing it all. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> the words when put together read, There was a lady all skin and bone. Sure, such a lady was never known. It happened upon a certain day. This lady went to church to pray. When she came to the church stile, there she did rest a little while. When she came to the churchyard, there the bells so loud she heard. When she came to the church door, she stopped to rest a little more. When she came the church within, the parson prayed against pride and sin. On looking up, on looking down, she saw a dead man on the ground. And from his nose unto his chin, the worms crawled out. The worms crawled in. Because it wasn't creepy then, enough. With- <laughs> oh, I know. There's more. So she unto the parson said, Shall I be so when I am dead? Oh, yes. Oh, yes, the parson said. You will be so when you are dead. Here the lady screams. Yeah. Wow. I don't like that. That's not a pleasant 
Actually, what was I going like on it, with people in the like eighteen hundreds and nineteen hundreds and shit? Like, it was why all are they just dark children? and dreary? Yeah, mm-hmm. they're like nobody was into like this. sunshine stuff or like optimism. They were like everything is opium and sewage. <laughs> <laughs> and it's better that my four year old knows it now. <laughs> <laughs> right? You may as well know what to expect. You know, dream big, dream yes. big. <laughs> yeah. yeah. One day you'll be dead and rotten in the ground and a preacher will be really like jovial about it. Exactly. That, now go to sleep, little Sally. That's it. I'm going to take that poem and have them do that as my eulogy at my funeral. Might as well get them in the good mindset right, right there. Might as well. Might as well. Yep. Yeah, they'll be stoked. <laughs> They're all they're all like mourning, and then they're, and now they're forced to think of like worms eating you. Yeah. Ooh. Well, already I do have a plan. I do. I'm actually oh, my yeah. best friend. I'm I'm not even joking about this. My best friend. I, I we have a deal. Whoever goes first goes and does the eulogy for the other one, dressed as the Grim Reaper. <laughs> oh, I actually think that's great. I like yeah. That. Yeah, you should actually. And then do that. what you do yeah. is you loom at the back of the room until it's your time to go up. Oh, that's good. Oh, that's awesome. I also want to have an open bar because my relatives are so crazy. If I'm going to add booze, like that's going to be great. (laughs) Yeah, it might might help cheer people up, I guess. And I mean, it'll just be be wild, right? Oh, it's it's going to cause chaos. It's going to be wonderful. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Somebody new will die. I prefer that to like the like super somber, like really, really polite funerals, like I want someone like like sobbing and throwing themselves at my coffin. Yeah. I'll do it. Yeah. I'll do it. Thank yeah. you. All right, you're Perfect. hired. Do it dressed as the Grim Reaper. I'll do it. All right. So there's more. There's even more to this. Ooh. So like, yeah. So the music that plays backwards in most of the videos is when reversed to its original state, Santa hides in your phonograph, a song from like 1922, which was uh supposed to be a cute christmas carol for children but takes on like a really sinister meaning mm-hmm. apparently because there's a laugh and a ho 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 in the song that come across as like way more cruel or eerie than originally intended the song apparently even creeped children out back then and it is actually really really sinister and the lyrics to it are bad yeah <laughs> and in two of the videos including the uh, bathtub one of the daisy leaves videos the song that plays is i'm gonna charleston back to charleston 1925 good good Love it. Yeah. So there might be something behind the uh, the name Robert Heltman, which is the, the YouTube URL. So like as to the name of the creator of the channel, um, yeah, I looked this up and there's a few weird links to it. One is the child catcher, who is a character in the film Chitty Chitty Bang Bang mm. and in the later stage musical adaptation. And the character did not appear in the original Ian Fleming book. The child catcher is employed by Baron Baumhurst and Baroness Baumhurst to snatch and imprison children on the streets of Bulgaria. Oh, Bulgaria. Yeah, fictional plays, obviously. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. In the 1968 film, he was played by ballet dancer Robert Heltman. Uh, whilst filming one of the scenes where the child catcher rides his horse and carriage out of the village, the cage slash carriage up tilted with Heltman on board. And Dick Van Dyke recalls Heltman being able to swing out of the carriage and literally skip across the crashing vehicle. According to Van Dyke, Heltman did this with incredible grace and much like a dancer, which was Heltman's original claim to fame. So, yeah, in 2005, the child catcher was voted the scariest villain in children's books, despite not featuring in the original book. 
the film's screenplay was considerably extended from the book by Roald Dahl, including almost all of the vulgarian scenes, including the child catcher, because Roald Dahl's like that. <laughs> but um, there's something potentially worse than the link to the name involved than that. Like, um, these videos have been rumored by a few to be vaguely related to the real-life dark web porno rape of a child named Daisy. Wow. And the murder of another young girl by the same child pornographers. Yeah. Yeah. So this is where it gets kind of nasty. Uh, and this is the real part that Andrea wanted me to cover because she's evil. <laughs> and this is what I was sad tweeting it's about a on Twitter. Podcast. Okay. Yeah, it is. This is horrific. And I mean, since I just like kind of told you guys what happens, obviously warnings for, you know, child rape and murder. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so what happened there? Peter Scully had a video output, the most notorious of which was titled Daisy's Destruction, which he sold to clients for up to 10K. Made in 2012, yeah, yeah, crazy. Made in 2012, the multi-part film is so extreme that it was for some time regarded as an urban legend. It features the torture and brutal rape of a number of girls by Scully and multiple Filipina accomplices. The three main victims were named Liza, age 12, Cindy, 11, and Daisy, 18 months. Yeah. Yeah. See, that was horrible. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Urged, urged on by Scully, some of the worst physical abuse was carried out on the children by one of his girlfriends, then 19-year-old Litzel Margallo, who was formerly prostituted as a child, so she probably didn't know anything else mm -hmm. than this. But yeah, reportedly Margallo was the sole hands-on victimizer of Daisy. The introduction to the film invites the viewer to watch Daisy's mental ruin as she, quote, learns how to please her mistress. Oh. After Daisy's destruction surfaced, yeah, it's nasty. After it surfaced, an international manhunt was launched. Um, Scully was eventually tracked to Malabale City in the Philippines and arrested on the 20th of February, 2015. While they searched for him in the Philippines, investigators managed to uncover the fates of the three primary victims in Daisy's destruction. Liza was found to be alive, as was Daisy, somehow. Yeah. Thank God for um, that. Though, yeah, thank goodness. Though her treatment had been so vicious that she has lasting physical injuries today. Wow. Yep. 11-year-old Cindy had been murdered, allegedly by Scully. Before being strangled to death with a rope, the girl was subjected to bouts of rape and torture and was made to dig her own grave. According to Margallo, Scully videotaped himself killing Cindy. That's upsetting. Mm -hmm. I feel just uh, Daisy. I, I'm like traumatized over Daisy. I was absolutely traumatized last night. Like I was like months. sobbing. Like. It's a baby. Yeah, she's just over one year old. Like, holy. And, like, some of the comments. Oh, my God. So, like, yeah, like. I didn't read comments. Um, I, I saw. So, yeah. I was like, nope. <laughs> yeah, no, I didn't see the video, obviously. It's been taken down. Thank oh, goodness. Yeah. But yeah, like, that wouldn't be out there. No, but people did see it when it was first posted because it was posted on YouTube. Yeah, yeah. So, like, people who apparently saw the video on YouTube because it had been briefly posted there somehow before it was taken down or who found a link to it on 4chan, thank uh -huh. fucking 4chan, or on like the dark web after hearing about the legend surrounding it, were therefore in for a lot more than they thought. And most of them still describe the screams they heard in the video, Daisy's screams, as being the most horrific, disturbing thing they'd oh ever experienced. Oh, wow. Whether or not the Daisy Leaves videos on YouTube, like the, the you know, the other ones, 
that I watched the non-snuff uh-huh. porn. Yeah. Um, whether that's actually based on this or even like vaguely related is undetermined, but thankfully unlikely. Okay. Good. Thank God. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so now I want to say something less heartbreaking. So I was watching the Daisy Leaves videos on YouTube, and my cat Hazel really liked the movements in them, or she was, like, trying to suck up to me to give her attention. So (laughs) on the last video, yeah, like, on the last video of the official Daisy Leaves title, um, I thought I heard purring in the background of the music. So I thought that the guy who made them had, like, layered the sound effect of a cat purring into the video (laughs) to be weird. And I was like, the fuck? So I paused it and the purring didn't stop. And I was like, oh, (laughs) got it. (laughs) Much better now. Thank you, Hazel. Yeah. So Hazel likes the Daisy videos is what you're saying. So Daisy, or sorry, that Hazel likes Daisy videos is what you're saying. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Daisy, Daisy. Yeah. Yeah, she did. She (laughs) thought they were very artsy. And that's like my suspicion. I think they're more like an art house film thing because like, the way a lot of people were commenting on this, like a lot of like pathologists and whoever else on Reddit, and where they were like, contrary to what Hollywood tells you, bodies do not move that stiffly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Even when frozen, it'd be and it'd be a lot heavier. And the way he was carrying the body around as though it was nothing. Like even a child's body would be heavier and wouldn't hang that way and wouldn't move. Yeah, that way. I was reading that part too, and I was like, yeah. I mean, if they were real, they'd probably have been taken down. Yeah, it's probably like, like it's probably been analyzed. Yeah, then. it's been analyzed to death, yeah. and yeah, they would have been taken down. Like it's probably been investigated by yeah by people reporting it just in case. Yeah, yeah. Are like we already? What do you guys Daisy think? Thing. What did What did you it's think? Not, about oh, them? about Daisy. No. Part of me really wants to go watch these yeah. videos now. Well, you might okay. as well. Yeah, they're like short. But- yeah, and they're the less creepy part of it. But it brought up two things to mind. Is Number one, I don't know if you guys ever heard about it, and I can tell you about it another time, but there was a photo, um, a couple photos that they, they found in the States, and they were taken like 70s, 80s. And it kind of reminds me of this. The one of them, the guy is dressed up as like an Easter Bunny outfit. Have you heard of this one? I think yeah. so, yeah. And he yeah. has a woman, and he's dragged, like she's obviously dead, and he's dragging her into like an old abandoned building. And they were able to go see what the, the building was, but nobody can interpret what, if it's real or not, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. And the other, th- so it's, an, it's been a longstanding mystery. The other one is actually, and I'll have to tell you about this other, another time is um, my run in with a serial killer. <laughs> and uh, yeah. Tell us about that next, next episode. episode. Yeah. And the, um, oh yeah, we should have a whole, yeah. yeah. We'll have a whole episode about yeah, that. Yeah. Um, Cause I want to know. Yeah. yeah. Um, and um, it is a famous Canadian case and um, yeah, it hit, hit close to home and there was snuff films involved with that one too. Ugh, yeah. God. So I'll save that for next yeah. time. I'll tell you all about the story of Brenda's run in oh, with yeah. a serial killer. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and then you we'll should cover the that. serial killer story, and that way, you, um, yeah, that way you can link. We can two. make it for a whole episode. I will. I will. And you guys yeah. probably maybe remember the story was out of Trenton, Ontario, and it was the um, serial killer base commander that was in the press. Oh, yeah, okay. and yeah, look it up. And um, I totally will. Yeah, um, all these things started happening right as we were moving to Barry area. And uh, when right. when he got arrested, um, I got about a bazillion phone calls and social media contact and everything like that saying, hey, did you know him? Well, yeah, of course. He was the base commander. Um, and they said, would you suspect it? I'm like, absolutely. And I said, because this guy was actually going into a, um, a position in Ottawa that was very high profile. 
And um, there's no way the RCMP, the military police, and the um, Ontario police would do a, a, a joint statement saying he did it unless, and I said to this to one of my girlfriends, unless there's photos, he confessed, there's like snuff films, he's, he's sitting there signed saying I did it. And what they did is when they went and searched his home, guess what they found on his hidden hard drives is snuff films of the murders um, out of the rapes that he did. Um, him mm -hmm. dressed in women, the, those, the murdered women's underwear and doing it. Yeah. And, um, yeah, he totally confessed to doing it. Yeah. So nice. So that yeah. when, every time I hear snuff film, I, it always brings me back to that. That makes yeah. sense. Yikes. I just did a short one and it's not happy, but it's gonna, yeah, it's not going to end anything very nice either. But, <laughs> yeah, well, um, well, yeah. It's. The case of Lyle Stevick. Mm -hmm. Okay. So he was born in 1976 and he died September 16, 2001. Basically, he checked into the Quinault Inn Motel, which is a motel in Amanda Park, Washington. Right. And the clerk there, when they were interviewed after, was like, maybe he was Canadian. So I don't know if maybe he had like a Newfoundland accent or something. Right. Because otherwise... How would they know? We all have the same accent. But anyway, um, he entered uh, the hotel with an alias and he gave his home address as another hotel. And he was reportedly seen walking back and forth at the side of the highway near the motel. Uh, people aren't sure if he was seen before or after he checked in. He ended up requesting a second room because he was complaining about outside noise in the first room that he got. So he got the second room. Yeah. Um, but his real name was not Lyle Stevick. He may have derived the name from that of Lyle Stevick, spelled in a different way with a C, which is a character from a novel called You Must Remember This, written by Joyce Carol Oates. <laughs> and in that story, the character of Lyle Stevick contemplates suicide. Yikes. His body was found Monday, September 17th. Mm. He had checked in on Friday, September 14th. So he was there for three nights and he paid at the desk for one night, but said he planned to stay for a few more days mm -hmm. and he would pay for it afterward. Um, he was light skinned and described with maybe some indigenous or Hispanic ancestry with black hair and green or hazel eyes. And he was found hanging from a belt from the bar inside the closet. Yikes. Yeah, and he left money in the room to cover for the remaining, remaining two nights of the weekend, and he just left a note that said suicide. Okay, so he didn't want this to be, like, mistaken for murder. That was yeah. a direct right. to the point. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I mean, like, it no could have been murder. Like, no other information, yeah. just suicide. Yeah. Uh, they think he died September 16th. He had closed the blinds in the room and lined the closet with pillows, and he left a note saying, for the room at the bedside table, and... There was $160 on there wow. to pay for the room. Um, maybe because of depression or a fatal disease is what, like, yeah, they're what thinking. Yeah, but an autopsy showed no sign of disease. So oh. probably depression, right? <laughs> probably, yeah. Um, there was a piece of paper in the trash with the word suicide on it, just like his note. So it was like he was practicing right. writing them out. Yeah. He had no luggage. He had only brought a toothbrush and toothpaste, and he wore a blue plaid shirt, a gray shirt underneath that, blue jeans, and black boots. Hmm. And he seemed to be 20 to 30 years old. Oh, His esti estimated birth date was between 1971 and 1981. He ended up being buried in an unmarked grave at Fernhill Cemetery in Aberdeen, Washington. Hmm. 
So then they ran right. his fingerprints and his dental characteristics and DNA into international databases, but there were no matches. Oh, that's mm. weird. But in 2018, genealogists from DNA Doe Project, they were able to upload it. They were able to upload DNA profiles to attempt to link him to people living in New Mexico and Idaho. So I guess they had like a bit of a they had a bit of a range there. Yeah, they had a bit of an idea of the area, but it's a big range. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But he was identified through DNA analysis and comparison with genetic relatives. It turns out he was from Alameda County, California, and he was 25 years old at the time of his death. Oh, geez. Yeah. So they did go notify his family. Yeah. And it turned out his family thought that he was alive, oh. and but they thought that he hadn't wanted to associate with them because so he was oh. estranged from them. So they thought, oh, we just thought we didn't hear from him because he didn't want to talk to us. That's sad. So, yeah, they thought he was just living his life elsewhere and just didn't want to get a hold of them. Yeah. Um, and then – but they managed to get – some fingerprints from this grade school project that he did from them. And they positively identified him from those as well. Yeah. Um, And the family chose not to identify his actual um, identity publicly. So, Oh, Hmm. and they weren't suspicious, hey? No, he hadn't been speaking to them. And Hmm. yes, I guess they wouldn't have known what his mental health was like. No. Oh, well, that's depressing. Yeah, I know. <laughs> so, yeah, that was a that was hmm, that's mysterious. Yeah. Okay. I wonder what was going on. It sounds like a, there's so much there that we'll just never know. Okay. Yeah, I found it because it was like one of those unsolved things. Yeah, but then it was solved. Right. Sort of. But then of. I was like, I'm just going to continue it, and yeah, it, it's not publicly solved because yeah. Nobody... And we'll never know what he was thinking, right? It makes like, you yeah. wonder. It yeah. makes yeah. you wonder because he was he was estranged from his family. Was there something involved there too to add it to his scenario? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that maybe the family didn't really want to talk about. Mm-hmm. Hard to say. Ah, oh, geez. Yeah. So now now we have to like talk about something upbeat. Well, we and cheerful. have a promo to do. Oh, we have a promo. Oh, so we've promoted yeah. this these guys before, but they're just they're a lot like us. Um, yeah, they're very conversational, very fun. Yeah, they're funny and it's spooky and it's just fun to listen to. Um, yes. It's Dead Time Stories with a Z. Yep, so here is Dead Time Stories. Hey guys, I'm Sarah. And I'm Stephanie. And we're the hosts of Dead Time Stories. Dead Time Stories with a Z is a weekly podcast where we tell you stories of ghosts, hauntings, mysteries, conspiracies, the supernatural, paranormal, the generally eerie, spooky, and all around weird. If you like scary stories, witty banter, and classy broads, we're your ghouls. Gals. Gals. Some of our stories include Eastern State Penitentiary. No. And where is it? Does it sum up 12? The Gettysburg Dime Museum. They were like, show starts at five, Mr. President. He was like, thank you, five. No, 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 seven. He was like, thank you, five. <laughs> fort Mifflin. So the Americans burned down their own fort. They were like, oh, you, 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 want, this? you want this? Come Come and get welcome it. to Philly. <laughs> and more. New episodes are posted Thursdays at midnight on iTunes, SoundCloud, Google Play, and Stitcher. Listen and subscribe, rate and review today. So yeah, that's Dead Time Stories. Um, I, yeah, it's just a good listen. I totally listened so. to Dead Time Stories after you guys recommended. They're quite good. 
Did you? Yeah, they're good, I right? Really yeah. enjoy them. I really enjoy them. I flip through a lot of different different types of podcasts, um, but I find mm-hmm. that the conversational type is what I prefer. Me too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Me That's too. my favorite too. And, and especially yeah. if they yeah. joke around, yeah. right? I, I really enjoy that. Yeah. Well, because then you can get like the stories that they're telling, which can be – I typically listen to like spooky podcasts, mm-hmm. so true crime and stuff. And then you're getting also the comedy because they are able to joke around with each other. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, so but I don't like, like it when it's more than two people. Yeah, it gets a little busy. Yeah, because it gets confusing. Yeah. Yeah, unless it's a guest, it gets like confusing as yeah. to who's who. It's different when there's a guest, but when it's like three people every single episode or, or more, sometimes there's like four or something. Yeah. Then I'm like, oh, that's – I can't tell anybody apart. Yeah, especially if they've all got similar voices. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes. Well, usually, inevitably, two of them have the same voice. <laughs> yeah. And you're just like, oh, I thought that was three people. It's actually been four people this whole time. Yeah, we're really lucky in that, like, um, all of our guests and you and I all have sound different. Very different very voices, different. yeah. Yeah, like, none of us will be mistaken for the other. Never. No, and with good. all the smoke that I inhaled, you know, this this last week from all the forest fires, I sound like I hit puberty. So you don't confuse me and Andrea <laughs> at all. <laughs> no, you've got like the you've got like a husky, sexy lounge singer voice. Think of it that way. And I sound like I never hit puberty. So. <laughs> yeah, that's true. I just hit it for <laughs> both of us twice. Yes, thank you. Yeah. I didn't want to go through that, so it's fine. That's a lot of puberty. <laughs> all right. All right. So thank you for coming on. Thank you for coming. Yeah. It's always fun. It's always fun. It is. It's fun. And you've always got good stories. Yeah. Well, next time I will not talk about sucking out bone marrow. No, I'm always up to that. I totally am going to tell you about my personal experience with a serial killer. Yes. And we'll advertise the show. (laughs) (laughs) That's going to be crazy. I'm, I'm excited to hear about that. All right. At the end, we give people kisses. Yeah, at the end, we give people smooches. Um, email us at Two Scared Siblings with your own stories of bone marrow sucking and <laughs> yeah. snot. And go to our Patreon. I posted it on our Twitter. Um, that is patreon.com slash Two Scared Siblings. And if you're on our $5 tier, you can get a monthly bonus episode. Yeah, it's a lot of fun and a shout out. Yeah, so go check us out on Patreon. Yeah, you can even help us out for $1 and get a shout out. So yeah, go do that. And, and here yeah, is here's your kisses. Yes, that was an excellent smooch, (laughs) Brenda. Thank you, Brenda. Thank you. All right.